0: the book of Ephesians for a while, just watching what God would say to one group of people in, in one time period. But uh, this letter it, that was written to the, the people around Ephesus, it, it was circulated to more and more churches. So there'd be more and more gatherings of people like this that would have got this letter and they would have read through the, through the whole thing. Um, we've just been taking time as it's made its way to to this church, to this group of people. Um, we're thankful that God's preserved this uh, these words because they're they're life they're they're alive they're not just some things that were written down there's something life changing about them um and we're talking about that as a band this morning too just the the power that is in the word of god and that's never changed since since way back when till now um last week we talked about how you smell the thought of it was that in our worship in our in our walk as we imitate god as we imitate jesus christ and walk in love that, that is like a sweet-smelling aroma to God. It, it's the worship that, um, that He desires. It's not so much just the songs that we sing. It's that lifestyle that we live. And we talked a couple of weeks about how important it is that we watch how we walk. Uh, and that word walk and live, are, are you can interchange them. How you walk and how you live. Uh, and last week, we started talking about the specifics. Paul said first, watch how you walk. Then he said to them in last week's thing, walk in love. So the way, you wa- the way you watch how you walk is to be intentional about um, walking in love, imitating Jesus Christ. And we talked about the fact that, well, today we will, about walking in light and walking in wisdom. So if you got, if you got your Bible ready, gave you enough time, Ephesians chapter 5, in, uh, in verse 8, "'For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth.'" finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. So he basically is saying to the, to this group of people, you, you, you used to be darkness. Some versions say you used to be in darkness, but he says you were darkness. Everything about your life was, um, was darkness. And he says, but you're not that person anymore. Uh, and that's, that's this, uh, the idea is the, the thinking of, you know, I, am not the same person that I, that I used to be. Uh, it, as we think about this season, you know, of yard sale season, that everybody's getting rid of stuff that they don't need anymore. Um, it, my question for you too is, you know, there's stuff that you don't need anymore. It doesn't it doesn't you know, it doesn't define you anymore. You used to need a hairbrush, but you don't need one anymore. You know, you um, uh, Beth, uh, the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, threw out this cast that I had. I, I, I sprained my ankle on our vacation a couple years ago, and we ha- I had the foot cast. Not the plaster one, like the walking one. And I saved it. And I, I thought, you never know when you're going to need it. It costs us $1,000 or the insurance, $1,000 for me to have this. I'm going to keep it. And she's like, you don't need it anymore. I'm like, but I might. You know, I know me. And as soon as you throw it out, I'll probably sprain my ankle, right? Uh, and she's like, I, just trust me. You don't need this. And I'm like, you know, can we put it on Kijiji? But nobody buys those on Kijiji for some reason. But she just tossed it, chucked it with a lot of other stuff. Uh, If it wasn't for my wife, I would be a hoarder. I'd be on the show, I'm sure of it, because I just want to keep stuff. It means something to me. Um, uh, But uh, Paul's saying the same idea. You know, you used to be this, and you hold on to stuff that you had back then, but you're not that person anymore. You're not a person of darkness. You're a person of light. So walk in the light is what he's, he's saying. The objective this morning, I want to talk about objectives and boundaries, but today the objective that Paul's saying is walk in the light where there's where there's a, a path of light is where he wants us to walk. And why? Because if you read through the, through the Bible, if you read through God's word, you'll realize that he says a lot of stuff about light and in, in, in how he talks about who he is. God says in 1 John uh, 1, 5, it says God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. So it's this idea of he's light and wants us to walk and live our lives in light. John 8, 12, Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. And he said this, if you follow me, not if you call yourself a Christian, not if you kind of hang around church, but if you follow me, he says, you won't have to walk in darkness. You won't have to live in darkness at all anymore because you will have the light that leads to life, which is Jesus Christ himself. That's who you have. And so he says, um, uh, the picture that best describes it for me is like driving down a road at night. If you're driving down the highway at night, you, see, um, you can see the spot that's lit up, the middle of the, the, middle of the lanes, the middle of the road. It's uh, brightly lit. But if you look off to the sides, outside of the light, what do you see? Darkness. So he's saying this idea of stay, stay in the place where it's light. That's where I want you to walk. Watch how you walk. Be careful that you're not out there somewhere in darkness because that's not you anymore. That's not the clothes you wear. That's not the way you smell. That's not your style. The idea is that we're walking and, and living in this area of being um, in the light. And the further away you get from that path, the darker it gets. Matthew chapter 5 uh, is so sweet because he says, not only does he say, I am the light, and Jesus said, I am the light, uh, but he says to, to his followers, he says, you are the light. You are the light of the world. Don't hide that under a basket. Shine. Let men see something. He said, let men see your good works, and they'll glorify God in heaven because they see him in you. They see you shining. That's, that's the idea of we're just like our father. We're just like dad. The idea that we can shine with the light, which is Jesus Christ inside of us. In Ephesians um, chapter 5 and verse 11. So he's saying, hey, walk in that path that's light. He says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Um, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light and therefore he says awake you who sleep rise from the dead and Christ will give you light you know what he's not saying here and I want you just to hear this very carefully is that he's not saying um, and for some this has been the Christian way this is this idea of oh we're light so let's expose dark people it's like, oh, those people, they're so bad. Uh, in, back when I was in Bible school, um, we had this group called the Flesh Police. We called them that. They would be like searching out to see. They would come and hang out at your house. But all they wanted to know when they came to your house was like, what movies are on their shelf? And then they go, you know, tell somebody about it. Or, you know, what CDs you got in, in your CD um, uh, uh, rack before mp3s came out you know they, they, they want to see you know what what uh what words do you say when you're really angry you know or uh it got to the point of like who are you dating who are you sleeping with i know that shouldn't happen in bible school unless you're married but you know uh, there's just real people that go to bible school but they had this idea they were going to expose those people and if you're, if you're on the internet at all and you, you look up any speaker who's brave enough to put their video of their teaching online, there's gonna be, you could like Google any name of any speaker and underneath of it, you can, you can Google and, and the things that'll pop up is so-and-so exposed because bloggers just love to do this idea of let's expose people for their wrong teaching and for, their, for the things that they've done wrong and think, you know, we can use verses like this to say that that's possible. And then we'll, you know, we'll tie that in with, oh, you know, we're, we're just being, you know, we're just speaking the truth in love. And Paul doesn't say anything like that. And I want to encourage you just to read what he actually says. He says in, um, he says, have no fellowship, which we t- determine hanging out with. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. Didn't say people just said, have no fellowship with unfruitful works um, uh, of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose unfruitful works, because there are all kinds of works of darkness, and that's what we want to talk about this morning, is that those things get exposed in our lives because they're unfruitful. They, the, the, the dark areas of the road, there's nothing good in those areas. There's just disaster out there. And Paul's saying, hey, you know what? The, 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 we talked about it last week. The idea is we're not supposed to like, pull ourselves in away from, from those who don't know Jesus Christ because they're never going to find out about him. But he says the works that they do, those are, they're unfruitful. So as believers, realize that. Because in your relationship with people who don't know the Lord, don't get caught up in what they're doing because it's just simply unfruitful. It's not, it's not something that you want. And it says, he says in this thought, but expose them. How do you expose them? Well, he says that this, all things are exposed, um, are made manifest by the light. Simply by light, light exposes darkness. We talked about last week, about the idea of being a candle. That, you know, a candle has, um, it's just a candle until it's lit. And a candle doesn't really expose darkness. It's just got the light on uh, on it that causes you to be able to see what's in the darkness. And he's saying the same thing for us. As believers, have Holy Spirit in your life. Walk as a person of light. The idea wasn't to say, go, go expose people. He said the objective is walk in light. And as you are walking in light, full of Holy Spirit, living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it's going to expose darkness in other places. The unfruitful works of darkness are going to be someone going, huh, your marriage looks like it's working. My marriage looks dark. Your way of, of partying looks like that's really fun, and there's no hangover after. Mine looks dark. Your, uh, the way you walk, the way you do relationships in this light looks bright, and it exposes something that is dark. Holy Spirit's job is to convict people, not ours. But our, ours, our objective is to walk in light. Keep speaking the truth. He never said don't speak the truth. He just said speak the truth. But the idea is that he's going to take that and cause that to be the thing that happens on the inside, where they get that moment on the inside where, you know, if they don't know the Lord. Holy Spirit's job is like, ah, oh, you gotta bring your life under Jesus Christ. You gotta receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ. That's what his job is, and he's doing it. Our job is just simply to, um, to walk in the light uh, in, in the way we walk with others. So he says this, you know, in verse 14, I love it, because I think that as we do that, as we're walking in the light, as we keep speaking the truth in love, that he says this, therefore he says in this poem, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That our lights shine, that others might have this thought, that they are like, oh, they awaken to Christ because they see him in and through our lives. That he might give them light. That their lives might be changed. That, you know, as we talk about building a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people want to become a part of, that's what it is. As you're healthfully walking in the light, and we're going to talk about how to do that this morning, that unchurched people go, look at it and go, you know what? They don't look like hypocritical, you know, judgmental, closed-minded, hoping everyone goes to hell type people. They look healthy. They, they, they've got life on the inside that I, that I want. So Paul's thought in this is just keep driving in the middle of the lane. I said last night, keep driving in the middle of the road, but that's not good advice. Keep driving in the middle of the lane. And Paul's about to explain how to do that because how many of you know that when you're driving, you don't always end up staying in the middle of your lane? Anybody ever have that? Anyone ever park your car in the ditch? Just me. Right, so, and it wasn't even mine. Uh, Back when I was younger, I was driving my parents' vehicle. This isn't it. But uh, it was a snowy day, and I was going over the top of a hill. And as I was going down the hill on the other side, as soon as I got to the top and I looked down, I realized the the hill was super long, really snowy. But halfway down, there's somebody making a left-hand turn and two cars coming up to me, and I realized, hit the brakes, just stop hit the brakes and the van started oh i didn't even know you guys right so the van um it was my friend's van started spinning around in circles and when flying down, all I could see is I'm going backwards down the road. Snow is all I see flying in front of me. And I ended up in the ditch backwards. I didn't hit anybody. The only thing I got was so much snow in there that the wheel wobbled a little bit. But, but man, as I realized that, afterwards I realized my plan was never when I touched the brakes or when I even went out that day was my plan was never I'm going to park my van, my parents' van, in a ditch. If you've been in an accident, how many of you, that was your plan? No, it wasn't. You know, you're not trying to, like, scam the insurance company or whatever. You just, you know, it was never your plan to end up in the ditch. And this is what we want to talk about in life, because in life this can happen to you. In your relationships, financially, morally, you can end up in a ditch. And sometimes it it's, um, it's costs a lot. Sometimes it hurts a lot. Sometimes it's irreparable. So we want to talk about this morning is this idea of how do you stay in the middle of your lane? How do you do this idea of walking where it's light and not end up in the ditch? Here's, here's how, and we're going to look at that in a second. Um, but if you came from Jarvis this morning, anybody come from the Jarvis area this morning? Okay, how many of you noticed this on your way? Oh, the, yeah, the, Oh, you saw the backhoe in the ditch. Yeah, that's true. But how I many of you saw this? If you came from um, Hagersville this morning, you may have, I mean, came from Hagersville? Yeah, we some proud Hagersvillians, just two of you. All right, so you may have noticed this. Um, And if you came from Cayuga area this morning on this way, yep. How many of you noticed this? What do you notice in there? uh, That's in all three pictures. Trees. What else? Guardrails. You guys are fantastic. It took like Saturday night like seven answers before they got to guardrails. They're like trees, signs, the road. I thought there was a bird, you know, like blue sky. Uh, Guardrails. There's three different types of of guardrails. And I want to talk about um, guardrails this morning, having that in your life. Um, Andy Stanley does a a phenomenal series on guardrails, which we might actually look at after we're done uh, with Ephesians. But you can get there before we do if you'd like. On Right Now Media, uh, there is the whole series on guardrails. Right now, maybe it's something that we offer to our church for free. If you don't have it yet, you can sign up for it. Uh, just fill out something on the bulletin. But the idea is, is this, that, that um, you could be sowing into your own heart because this topic is, is bigger than what we're talking about this morning. But if something triggers inside of you this morning, I'd encourage you to go listen to this whole series. But a guardrail, a guardrail is this. You saw different things, they look differently. But a guardrail is simply this. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying. And that's the key word straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. It's a system. So it may look different, but its idea is it's going to keep vehicles from straying into places that they shouldn't be. You know, and the thing is, we don't usually notice them. How many of you would say, oh yes, I noticed that exact guardrail on my way here this morning. You didn't notice them. Most of the time, we don't. They're invisible to us. The thing about guardrails that's kind of interesting is that they're actually not placed in the dangerous area. The guardrail is not placed where you can't drive. You can drive Where the guardrail is. It's on the shoulder of the road. That's a safe enough place to drive. But why do they put a guardrail there? Because what's right on the other side of that is not safe. What's right on the other side is disaster. What's right on the other side could be life-threatening. And none of us argue that there shouldn't be guardrails out there. We're not thinking, man, guardrails, we just need a petition. Get rid of all the guardrails. You know, if that guardrail wasn't on that bridge, I could drive a whole lot closer to the edge. Nobody says stuff like that. Why? Because we just take it for granted. We know we need them. So this morning, that's enough about driving. We're not talking about that. But how about your life? How about your marriage? How about your financial um, part of your life? How many of those areas, if we had guardrails in those areas, how much of a difference could that make? And we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, The the idea is, I want you to think about, you know, I I know it's going to bring you down, but I'll bring you back up again. Think about your greatest regret in life. What's been your greatest regret so far? Maybe it was sexual Maybe it was who you married. Maybe it was uh, no elbowing. I saw that. Maybe it was, um, maybe it's financial. Maybe you made a bad financial decision and you're regretting it still to this day. Maybe it's friends that you decide to hang around with. What is it? If you think back, is you know, probably the greatest regret in your life could have been avoided. Had there been some sort of guardrail in your life that warned you that, hey, you're getting too close to the edge. Um, The theory of the guardrail is that um, you know it's gonna it's going to um, uh, do less damage to you and to your vehicle than if you went over uh, and ended up in the in the ditch or where where the wreck where the wreckage happens. Um, Back in the day, I used to be a a truck driver. I drove the big truck. There's two uh, there's two kinds of truck drivers. They tell me there's real truck drivers and then there's what they refer to as you know, the, the scared little men who uh, sit in a truck and hold onto the wheel for dear life. That was, uh, that was me. That's kind of how I drove the truck. I had a girly truck, they would say. The guy's the man's truck has teeny little windows and this huge nose out in front. You can't see nothing and you just barrel down. Uh, and then there's the, the Volvos that have no nose and big windows and they, you know, they drive like a car and all the, the real truckers make fun of us. But I was one of those guys and, and it would be these, every, as I was driving my truck full of ducks down in New York City, I'd be driving along and every once in a while I'd hear this, down. Anybody know what that is? Rumble strips, yeah. And it would be like, oh no, I was awake, you know, I'm back on the road and like I'm good to go. And, you know, a little later on, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm awake. You know, and it's keeping me from what? Going into a place I don't want to be. One time I was driving down the road and I was listening to the CB radio and all of a sudden I heard this thing, hey, check out the big rig driver who's uh, bowling for pylons. And I was like, where? Where is that? That looks cool. I didn't realize it was me. I was like nailing pylons in a construction zone. They were flying off to the side. I broke, uh, I broke. Yeah, I, I broke the, I broke the um, headlights on, my, on, on, on the truck as I was driving down. And it was about 15 pylons before I realized it, it, it's me. I, I got to go over a little bit here. Because I didn't realize I'm hitting, uh, hitting a guardrail. There was no workers there at the time. But you know what? The, the greatest, the greatest um, regrets in our life probably could have been avoided if we would had a rumble strip or a pylon uh, or a truck driver behind us or a guardrail in our life. And Paul says that this idea of staying in the light, walking in the light, looks like this. And he gives us an illustration of it. He says, "So see then that you walk circumspectly, um, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil." So he says, "Walk circumspectly." That's a big word. But what he's saying is, walk, um, be intentional. About how you walk. Be very careful how you walk. Be careful about the next step you take uh, and watch where you step. It's like the, uh, like the thought and the idea. Of, um, Beth and I went for a walk in towns and around the pond, and, and she was walking towards me at one point. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh stop. And she's like, what, what, what? And she's walking towards me, what do you want? I'm like trying to tell her to stop. And she finally stops, and she's like, what? I'm like, look down. And she's like, looks down. and I saw the big pile of dog do, but she did not. And she was standing with her foot literally right beside this. And I was like, you got to watch where you walk out here in Townsend. Like, this is that same idea. He's saying, hey, watch where you walk. Be intentional about the next steps that you're taking in your life, because you don't want to end up in those spaces. And why does he say, be intentional about how you walk? Because he says the days are evil. This area you're living in, this culture we live in, it's dangerous. There are so many things out there that can cause you to end up in the ditch. So he's saying, be careful, um, pay attention um, that you're living and realize that you're living in, in a dangerous time. If you're not intentional, your marriage can end up upside down in the ditch. If you're not intentional, you will buy everything they tell you to buy and be so in debt, you may not be able to recover from it in this lifetime. You'll leave debt to your kids. You, you know, you, the, the, the things that, that your kids are learning. And as a parent, just kind of being oblivious to that, it's a dangerous time you realize that your kids may end up hurt for the rest of their lives because you weren't intentional about parenting. He's saying have these guardrails, maybe in your dating relationships, you're not intentional about the fact of that you want it to be, to be right, godly, and holy. And because you're not, it's going to go places you you know later on could seriously regret. So Paul's saying that. He's saying, be intentional about it. And it's in verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And this word understand, he's, he's basically saying to them, hey, think wisdom, think, think in wisdom, uh, and understand. It's almost like he's commanding you to understand. How many of you in school, you went and you're like, you know, there's those days where you had a project or a, or a question the teacher asks you and says, hey, uh, uh, okay, everybody come up to the board. You're going to do these questions, you do these questions. And you get up there and you're like, I don't know what the square root of 117 is. Like I don't, I don't know what the. And he's like, I don't, I don't get it. And you tell your teacher, I don't get it. And she just says to you, Understand. And you're like, Okay, now I get it, right? And like I, and you fill it up. It, it's like so strange to us. And Paul's saying this is kind of the same idea. Just understand. And you're like, uh, okay, I, I don't get it. So what he's saying to them and what he's saying to us is this idea of understanding is this idea of face up to turn towards what I know God's will for my life is. I'm not, I'm going to face that. I'm going to find that. I'm going to turn towards what God's will in my life is, and I'm going to embrace it. I realize, God, what you want for me is what I should want for me, and so I am going to want for me. And it's that, that saying, that intentional embracing what he wants for us, that's what he says in in this, in this idea that, you know, uh, I want to embrace what you have because I know myself I'm more of this guy, you know, wherever. It's, it's like this question of, where's the line? How close can I get before disaster? Because I just want to go right there. You know, for me financially or whatever, it's paycheck to paycheck. No saving? That's, that's boring. Somebody will take care of me someday. I just want to spend, 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 because it makes me happy. And we got this line. You know, as a youth pastor, I got this question all the time. How far can we go before it's considered sin? Is kissing sin... French kissing, tongue, you know, its holding hands of sin. Like, where is it? All, where's the line that it becomes sin? We just want to ride right on the line. And, and so many of us, that is this idea that if there's no guardrails in our life, we're so close, we just end up falling over. And Paul says to them, you know what? Stop flirting with disaster. Stop going right where as close to the edge as you can and have a guardrail in your life. And he explains it like this. They didn't have guardrails back then. Um... But they, they had the, the, the idea and the concept, which has now disappeared. Oh, who's got Ephesians chapter 5? There's no internet here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not, thank you. Do not be drunk with wine. And some of you are like, yes! They're finally going to talk about this. And some of you are like, no. I, oh, it's okay. I got it. Thank you. He um, says, no, I, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. You know, this is, this is that stuff where like, some of you are like, oh, finally. They're going to say that drinking wine is a sin. I've known it, and I think some people need to hear that. You know, my wife, whatever. Uh, Paul's not really saying that this morning. Some, some of you are like, oh, good. Be not drunk with wine. Good. I'm a beer guy. You know, or I'm, uh, you know, I'm more of the, uh, the hard stuff kind of guy. Oh, it's not convicting to me. I'll never touch wine, you know. Uh, but Paul's saying to this, he's saying this, be not drunk with wine. Um, because it leads uh, in which is dissipation and other versions is, it says it's uh, which leads to debauchery and uh, you know it's like one of those things where you're like oh man okay you know I'm, I thought maybe I was gonna get convicted today but I don't have a sweet clue what that means so you know I just read right on by. you know don't be drunk with wine it leads to debauchery you like, it's all good but you know like how many of you you were debauched the last couple weekends you know, you, you, you don't even really know. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, uh, what is this idea of debauchery? Well, Paul explains this, this thought of, of the guardrail of, of drunkenness. He says, he doesn't say that drunkenness is a sin. He doesn't argue that that's what it is. And, and I'm not going to do the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to um, say that it's a sin today. What Paul is explaining and arguing is that drunkenness, it's a guardrail. It's a guardrail in your life. And what we say with the, the idea of a guardrail Uh, Out there, We know it's a system that helps us, you know, not to strain our vehicles. A guardrail for a believer is this. It's a personal standard of behavior. And I say personal because it's yours. You can't go and say, this is the guardrail I'm putting on everyone else. It's their life. They can crash their car if they want to. Do you want to crash yours? Do you want to crash and, you know, shipwreck your marriage? Or do you just like, no, uh, for me, I want to have a personal guardrail in my life that protects me from that. For when I tend to stray off the path of light, that, you know, I, I haven't spent time reading the Word. I haven't spent time seeking Jesus every single day. And you begin to stray. Something triggers and says, whoa, 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 whoa. This is leading you somewhere you don't want to go. So he says it's a personal standard of behavior that you set in your, in your own life that causes you to just like, oh, wait, okay, there's danger down this road. It wakes you up. It's that, it's that rumble strip or that pylon. And um, you know what? Paul says this with drunkenness. He doesn't say it's a sin, but what he, his argument is that it's foolishness. It's um, it's irresponsible to get drunk because he says, you you know This idea of you're giving power to something else in your life You're giving control to something else in your life And when you do and we we would agree I think he uses alcohol because it's just an example of that idea of giving control over but it can happen with many different things He's saying kind of hardwired conscience to the fact that when you realize you're giving control of your life and decisions away to something else That something goes off and says whoa it's a guardrail in my life. I, I don't want to go down that way. He says it leads to debauchery, which is this and dissipation, which is extreme indulgence that leads to a loss of control. You know, if you think about that, that could be anything. Anything could bait you to lose control. For some of you it's anger. You get so angry that you don't realize what the next you lose control and the things you do you regret later. For some of you, it's drinking. It is drinking. It is this alcohol issue that you drink too much, and then you do things that you know most people would say, "Hey, that's probably not uh, you know appropriate." Maybe for you, it's lust, where you know you're watching that stuff, and you just get to the point where you're so lustful you can't control the next actions in your life. He says maybe it could be food, could be possessions, it could be that idea of you got to shop, shop, shop. You know, you want that car so bad. That you will sacrifice and forfeit your kids, you know, education fund because you gotta have it. You go in debt up to here because you have to have possessions. And Paul's saying in all those areas, in any area of your life where there's a potential for you to go into disaster, he's saying set up a guardrail. You know yourself this morning. You know who who you are. I want to encourage you that it's Heavenly Father who's saying this to you this morning. He's your dad. He's the one who's saying this not because he wants to keep you from something fun. He wants to protect you from something disastrous. And if you look at other people's lives, you can see it and realize it. So wherever you have a tendency to hand over control, set up a guardrail. So what do the guardrails look like? Maybe for alcohol, it's that idea of, you know what, I don't drink anymore at all, period. I go to, I go to meetings. You know, I'm making sure that I got a guardrail in my life that says I'm not going down there because it's disaster. Maybe for you, if it's lust you struggle with, you have a filter on your phone and on your computer. You got an accountability partner. Why? You got a guardrail that's going to set you up so you don't go into that place of disaster. Maybe, maybe you're married and there's a guy or a girl at work, you know, and you've been talking with one another. And, you know, she, there's just this thing on the inside. You kind of, you know, you dig her, she digs you. And, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, if, it's, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't crossed the line. But if your husband or wife found out, you don't really want to have that conversation. It's putting up a guardrail Saying you know what I'm not going down that road Maybe for you It's use credit cards so much It's just so easy to swipe That now it always causes you To be short at the end of the month This idea of setting up A guardrail Maybe you're spending Way too much time at work And not enough time With the people Who really matter in your life And you need a guardrail Set up in your life Paul's saying Whatever it may be Your father is saying Whatever it may be Holy Spirit may be doing That thing he does On the inside and we talked about that last week about how as you know good parents um, would would uh, you know uh, discipline or or make their kids aware of stuff in public would do something similar to that you know you're grocery shopping your kids grabbing stuff it's like <clears throat> um so I, I i have to apologize cuz i think some of you thought that that was the way beth and i do things at home ruben came over this week and realized that it's not you know i see our kids going like hey ah! yell at them he's like <clears throat> didn't you listen to your own preaching last week uh, so uh Reuben did the <clears throat> like 10 times in my house and realized I'm just not really good at it. But, but the, the, that idea of that's how Holy Spirit does. He didn't scream at you or yell at you. But today, as you're sitting here, you might feel, and one of the things we've talked about, <clears throat> maybe that's where our Father, God, wants to start with you. So Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Have that guardrail in your life. But he contrasted with this. And I just want to finish with these verses. He says, but be filled with Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, like we talked about this morning. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And this is the kind of talking, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says this idea, be filled with Holy Spirit. He says, have guardrails, you know, have these things. But he says, don't be drunk with wine. Set up that guardrail, but also be filled with Holy Spirit because that's the big idea. This morning, the big idea is that we don't focus on the guardrails. Because, you know, as you drive, you don't notice them, right? It's not all about where I'm saying this morning. It's all about now i got to set up guardrails. i got to set up these things in my life that are going to, you know, keep me from danger. But have them. The the idea is that you're never going to need them. How many of you have hit every guardrail on the way here this morning? No, the reason you would need a guardrail is when you take your eyes off of what you should be looking at. When your eyes are on, on, on the road... You know, you're fine. It's when you start texting that the rumble strip really helps. You know, it's when you're starting to find your favorite radio station that, you know, that that guardrail really helps. It's when you're, you know, looking in the rearview mirror that that pylon really helps. And the idea is this, that as I'm walking with Jesus, and I'm keeping my focus on him, like he said, keep your eyes on, on Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher. He's the beginning and the end of your faith. You never need to look anywhere else. Walking that path. But... Have something in your life that when you stray and you get your eyes off of him, like every one of us does, that you're going to bump into something that's going to stop you from, from going into disaster. What is the guardrail? What does it look like in your life if you're like, hey, you know what, I tend to give over control of my life in this area. What does it look like to back up three feet and plant a guardrail and say, you know what, my buddies may never understand why I can't go to that place, where I can't be in that place, but I can't. I have a guardrail in my life that stops me because I know what's on the other side of that for me. The big idea is not the boundaries, but the objective. You know, Wes was talking about on his podcast just about how they had a game for youth. And the, the idea was this. You know, the idea, the, the objective of the game was you got to go from one side to the other. They're playing diamond smugglers. you got to steal diamonds from one place and bring it back to the other. Not real diamonds. We're talking about youth, right? But this idea of steal stuff and bring it back. And so then one of the kids asked him, and said, okay, well, what are the boundaries? Because we always got to have boundaries. It's all about the boundaries. And he realized something that day, and I think it's a fantastic illustration, is that, you know, when you have the objective clearly in place, you don't need any boundaries. You just don't need them. The idea is that we're not saying, hey, today it's all about focusing on all the do's and do's, because you know what, that's never been the idea of this, this life with Christ. The idea has been about walking with him. You know, if we're playing soccer out there today, I don't have to say, okay, you got to put the ball on the net and the boundaries are Caledonia, you know, Jarvis and the lake, you know. Don't go that far. You're not going to go that far because your eyes are set on the objective. On the objective In your marriage If you say Working on your marriage So often It's this idea of Oh I just want to focus On all the things Don't do this You know My wife She, she can't do this And my husband He can't do this We're Saying just focus On what you can do To make your life better What can you do To love your wife We talked about it At the weddings yesterday Choose love If you're choosing that You don't need Any other boundaries Paul said that With walking in the spirit There's no law needed When you walk in love In joy In patience In goodness In faithfulness In self control You don't need laws Because the objective is there so as we said at the very beginning, walk in the light. That's the objective to say, I just want to walk with you, Jesus. Got my eyes on you today. I'm walking with you. But if I strain you, know yourself, the area that you stray, to say, you know what, I'm going to have a guardrail in that place. A couple of years ago, I met with a bunch of youth pastors, and we were talking, and one of them was applying for a new job. And at the place where he was applying for the job um, as a youth pastor, they, they, began, they, they began talking about this idea of how far away can you get from God? you know, before you lose your salvation. And they wanted to know what his thoughts were. So they said, you know, how far away, how far is too far? How far away from God can you get before you lose your salvation? He said something just so profound. It's always stuck with me. He said, I thought that the idea of this uh, relationship with Jesus Christ was never about how far away I could get from him. I thought the idea of all this was how close that I could walk with him. I want to encourage you with that thought this morning. If you miss, you know, anything else, the idea is keeping our eyes on the objective, walking in the light, Walking in the, in, in the good works of, of that Jesus gives us the ability to do by his Holy Spirit. Without him, you can't do it. But have some guardrails up in your life that when you stray, they're going to bring you back. My challenge is to listen to that Holy Spirit <clears throat> inside and to do something about that today. You know, maybe for you, you need a trucker in your life. You need somebody who you can go to, who you trust and say, listen, you know me. Are there areas in my life where you think that I should be setting up guardrails? Powerful thought But you know what That's what this idea And, and the Bible talks about the, Those things You know Sometimes you don't even see it In your own life When a brother or sister comes And lets you know I would encourage you To hear that as the voice of God And say okay You know what Yeah I want to set up a guardrail In my life This morning If you're here And you don't know Jesus Christ You know You're not a follower Of Jesus Christ yet You um, You know You're kind of just doing Your life on your own And you don't really Quite understand You're checking out church And you, know, you think it's cool But you're not really sure I want to tell you that this morning, this is all about uh, a God, the God who loves real people, including you, who gave his life for you. That every one of us is living in darkness. We were born there, walking that way all the time. Had no chance to get back to the road. This is not saying this morning that, you know, if you're in darkness, you got everything wrong in your life, start working, be better, be better until you get to that place. You, You can never do that. And that's why God, knowing that we could never do that, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to uh, pay the penalty of sin, which is death. He said He paid that penalty so that we could have life, so that He could just say, you know, I'm going to dra- grab you out of darkness. I'm going to rescue you out of the spot that you're in. You know, maybe you've been driving in life, and you've got it so messed up. He said, I'm just going to take you from there. I'm going to put you on this road. That is a decision that can be made this morning. If you feel in your heart saying, you know what? God, I'm trying to do life, and it just isn't working. Like, I, I have, just, it just everything that I thought I wanted is just left me empty. I feel like there's an emptiness in the inside. You know who you are. This morning, maybe you feel your heart just pounding as you, as you hear this. If God's speaking to you this morning, I want to encourage you to just to choose to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. It involves this idea of just saying, God, I give you my life. You're in control of my life. I'm looking to you in the direction that you want for my life. I, I, I admit that I, I got it all wrong. But I'll accept forgiveness and freedom if you'll take me, and I'll live my life for you in return. You can do that this morning. Um, if that's you this morning, I want to, you know, I want to encourage you to talk to somebody here. Talk to someone, maybe it's your friend who brought you. Come talk to me. Say, you know what? I'm that person. I feel like I've been, I'm living in darkness. I want to, you know, I want to be on the right path. Uh, and we can uh, introduce you to Jesus Christ, and uh, you know, you can become part of His family, just like it said that, you know, something awakens on the inside, like, oh. You know, I know what, why I'm here. I know what the purpose of my life is, and I know who I'm supposed to live for, and it's not me. Because in all of that, as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you as well. You cannot do this on your own. Don't even try. But in the simple thing today is to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I heard what you're saying to me, and I'm just going to, you know, with your strength, live that out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for the word. Thank you that it's alive, powerful, it's sharp, it cuts cuts us inside for our own, for our own good. Um, Holy Spirit, I just want to ask this morning that, that you continue, and I know you do, that you're faithful to continue the work that you started in us, that today as people have felt that, that um, your, your nudge on the inside to set up some of these guardrails in their life to get their eyes on you, that you give them courage to do what they need to do and strength to, um, to continue to follow hard and strong after you. Uh, Thank you for always giving us these these moments that just bring us back to where we need to be. May we live our lives, including this day for you, to bring glory to you, to be obedient to you, to be led by you, to bring joy to you. Thank you for this amazing, wonderful day that you've given us. Thanks for the sun, the chance we have to hang out together uh, later and and just uh, do life together. Thank you for that. Pray a blessing on every person as they go from this place. That uh, that you continue talking to them, Holy Spirit. Continue leading, directing their lives. It's in your amazing name, Jesus. For your glory, for your kingdom, for your fame, that we live our lives out for you. Amen.